People paying money to see me in a 20 by 20 ring. of 20 by 20 crew uh i am here with matt and mr wrestling six and we are celebrating the anniversary of wrestlemania 14. say how old you guys were when that happened? Nah, I'm just kidding. I, I'll say it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> right. I was a senior in high school, so at that time I was 17 going on 18. Yeah, I uh, I was, well, that was what, 20 years ago? So yeah, I was like 18 going on 19, so. I was 8. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was in elementary school still. <laughs> I was waiting for like something else to come after eight. I was like, oh yeah, you are a lot younger than us. <laughs> I learned it was one digit. Eight? I'm like, oh, he's going to finish any yeah. second now. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I, I watched this with you, yes? Were you at PD's? I was at PD's for that mania. I don't know if I would. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I could have swore. I, you know what? The old man in me is coming out. My age is showing it because I don't know for sure. It's been 20 years ago, so. But. Uh, I was grateful for the cheater box. I got to got to watch this at home. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, quite honestly, folks, I don't remember uh, where I was at the moment. And I, I don't know if I paid for it or not. I might have had the cheater box going. <laughs> Yeah, cause some I know back then some some pay per views. If if I was out with friends, we usually chipped in and, and bought it some way somehow, uh, or we were at somebody's house with the cheater box. So yeah, I, I hey, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I didn't pay for all my pay per views. So, um, <laughs> uh, WrestleMania 14 took place on March 29th, 1998. And it originated from the Fleet Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Where's my car keys? <laughs> <laughs> this is probably most notable to you wrestling fans out there because this is Stone Cold Steve Austin winning his his first heavyweight championship from Shawn Michaels. That was that was the probably the biggest deal. Uh, they did main event. Mike Tyson was the special guest referee. Uh, him and his odd crotch chopping. He <laughs> 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 reminds uh, the way he did it reminds me of uh, one of my 
former bosses who also was a wrestling fan, much older than me, if you can imagine that. But uh, he would always try to mimic certain stuff that the wrestlers did. And one of them was the DX crotch chop. And he did it so horribly. Very stiff. Yeah, he was very stiff at it, exactly. And yeah, it just, it made for some very awkward, awkward times at work. Let me tell you. How do you how do you mess up a crotch chop? <laughs> Picture C three PO trying to do it. Yes, that is a good analogy. Um, yeah. Hey guys. Yeah. yeah. It was it was pretty awkward. Shouts out to the Mexican Super Mario if you're out there listening by chance. When you get ever finished growing. <laughs> this was sponsored by M and M's, which. I, I guess it doesn't surprise me these days, uh, some of their sponsors, but I don't remember Eminem sponsoring this. Because I know, like, uh, what WrestleMania was that? They had, uh, they were sponsored by PlayStation, and they had the fucking PlayStation blimp in the, uh... Oh, yeah. Was that WrestleMania 13? I, I think don't... it was WrestleMania was it? 13, okay. yeah. They were sponsored by PlayStation, and the fucking blimp hanging around in, inside the fucking venue. Any way to make money, I guess. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, I think the idea of a PlayStation blimp is pretty fucking cool. I, would, I, I mean, the gamer in me says, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> I don't know where you would put it at your house, but... I find a spot. You'd find a spot. I always, well, my wife challenges me all the time, and I, <laughs> I fill that bastard up. Let's see here. Things started off with a tag team championship battle royal to determine the number one contenders. Uh, you had... Two tag teams from uh, Los Boricuas, which was like a Puerto Rican faction. Uh, you had the uh, team from the Truth Commission, Recon and Sniper. <laughs> Recon. Which I think one of them was Kurgan, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Okay. <laughs> one of them was Kurgan. Uh, you had the tag team of Bradshaw and Chains, Chains uh, with a Z. Uh, I don't remember that tag <laughs> team at all. It's much more threatening that way. Yeah. <laughs> this is the '90s, folks. That's that's how they that's how they roll, I guess. Two two tag teams from the the Nation of Domination, the Quebecers, uh, which had one of the uh, one of the Rougeau brothers in a jocks, and then Chagrin uh, Blue, yeah, and some other French dude. <laughs> the the older, much older version of the Rock and Roll Express. Who are now Hall of Famers? The now guilty pleasure of the Headbangers, Mosh and Thrasher. Uh, before they were too cool, you had too much. Scott Taylor and Brian Christopher. Hi. <laughs> uh, you had the Disciples of Apocalypse, which was like a like a what were they a biker gang? Yeah, yeah. Biker gang. yeah. You had Eight Ball and Skull, which are uh, Don and Ron Harris. Um, not that you need to know those names, but that's just who they are. The An eight ball because he played pool. <laughs> because he played pool. <laughs> uh, let's see, two other teams. You got Flash Funk and uh, Steve Blackman. This is a really weird tag team, but Flash Funk. pretty cool. Uh, the Godwins. They were uh, hillbillies from Arkansas. The new Midnight Express team of Bodacious Bart. And Bombastic Bob, which I know every NWA fan loves that incarnation of the Midnight Express better than anybody else. Oh, and, sweet Jesus. Am I right? Am I right? No? no okay, no, not even close. <laughs> and then uh, I'll just go ahead and say the winner here. Um, the returning 
Legion of Doom. They're called LOD 2000. Team of Animal and Hulk came back and uh, they won this thing. This is the whole reason I started watching wrestling was Legion of Doom. I don't know how I feel about them with Sunny. I'll be honest with you. Uh, back then she was she was easy on the eyes. Not so much these days. No, <laughs> no, no. I don't know why exactly. I mean, other than to have her out there as eye candy, I really don't know the reasoning behind her being out there. Uh, I, more than likely, you'll find information about that on uh, Bruce Pritchard's podcast. Yeah, I I guess it was cool to see uh, LOD win this thing. The, the tag team division in WWF or WWE, whatever you want to call it, has always been interesting. I mean, you seem to kind of go through these peaks and valleys where you're just like starving for tag teams and then all of a sudden there's too fucking many tag teams. <laughs> and I think that's what was going on here. Like, these are way too many fucking tag teams. Just kind of like close your eyes and listen to those teams. I mean... If I didn't give you the winner, like, wouldn't you just be able to figure it out? Like, oh, it's definitely going to be LOD. It's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know because, uh, yeah, I mean, you had the nation. I mean, and they weren't they weren't necessarily just straight up enhancement talent. I mean, no, but they they were also kind of uh, at a, at that. Bear with me here. Kind of in a situation where Bullet Club was, where you had a mixture of, or is now where you have two guys fighting for. The uh, the top spot with with Rock and Farouk, so they weren't necessarily a cohesive unit anymore. Okay. So that's re- I mean I guess if you go back to that, I, I definitely hear you. I agree with what you're saying. I don't know when you have two two different factions, two teams in, in one faction in the in the in the, uh, in the mix here. I don't know, to me it's just kind of a double negative. You guys are are both going to be out of here. Okay, that was a that was the opening match. Then we had a, a singles match for the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship, which is now a defunct belt. Unless you want to say it's been reincarnated as the uh, the 205 Live Cruiserweight title. This is like the first of many times they try to do a uh, <laughs> smaller guy title, if you will, or whatever you want to call they, it. They made such a huge deal about signing Taka Michinoku back then, too. I remember like all the press conference stuff and then, you know... His contract amount being put out there and what have you. Uh, we have him as here is the light heavyweight champ uh, defeating Aguila, who later would become Ese Rios. That's the most famous that I know him yeah. personally for. But um, I I wasn't privy to much of his career in in Mexico, unfortunately. Uh, I got to watch a little bit of Taka before he came over. For the time, like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, he's a, a cruiserweight and, and he does cruiserweight things, but I was not impressed um, when he got signed. I don't know what, other than, like, some sort of a talent trade or some favor. I really don't know why he got signed. Um, but uh, they, they wanted him to be the the figurehead and the, the champ, <laughs> the light heavyweight champ, to, to start off the belt. So maybe that was the only reason he got signed. Yeah, Mitsunoku uh, defeats Aguila and retains the title. And that goes about six minutes. Yeah, I, I really don't remember that match too much. Uh, I don't remember <laughs> that division. Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> third, card on, uh, third match on the card is Owen Hart against Triple H with China. And here, Triple H is defending the European Championship. But do you guys remember also, too, the stipulation is... The on-screen, I think it was the general manager at the time, or he was commissioner, Sergeant Slaughter, uh, was out there and he had China handcuffed. 
That's right. <clears throat> because of all the low blows and everything. So he wanted this to be a fair match. So China was uh, was handcuffed going into this match. Okay. Uh, we have Triple H winning winning the match, uh, defeating Owen Hart. Via the pedigree. In about 11 and a half minutes. M- minus what we were talking about earlier with Owen Hart. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> He became the Nugget after that, right? Uh, I was he the so. nu- No, he was the Nugget before. Was he the Nugget before? Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. Shawn Michaels was doing was terrorizing him with that shit okay. too. Okay. okay, I thought it was after this WrestleMania the Nugget thing started, but I'm wrong. <laughs> That's when Owen joined the Nation. The, yeah, that was that was pretty. And he, yeah, he had like the warning tape, the, ca- <laughs> the caution tape all over his trunks. Danger zone. <laughs> Danger zone. <laughs> The WWF European title, again, a defunct championship, unless you want to sit there and say their their UK title is, is the the equivalent nowadays, right? I guess. I forgot that was even a title. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's... It's defended, more, it's defended more in progress, wrestling. Than anywhere than, else. Than, than yeah. WWE, which is weird, but whatever. Next match uh, is a mixed tag team match. It goes a little over nine minutes. It's Mark Merrow and Sable defeating the artist formerly known as Goldust and Luna Bashan. For those of you who are not familiar, Mark Merrow was Johnny B. Bad in WCW. You don't, you don't a, need to remember that which one. This was a little Richard <laughs> knockoff. Yeah. You know what? But that's what got him the job with WWE. With WWE? Yeah, okay. And then they, Vince decided he wanted to rebrand him. Now he's a boxer. Wild, a no, boxer. he was Wild Man oh, Mark yeah. Merrow. Yeah, and was, then he did the boxer thing. That's right. But that's the right. Wild Man thing didn't even last that long. Like, not at all. I want to say probably two months, if that. And then they brought in his uh, his wife, Sable. Real life wife, Sable. Right, right. And she kind of took uh, all his, all the attention away from him. Well, he got hurt for a while, and that's where it and kind of came didn't help, No, but I mean, I, I think I'm, be, I'm, I think I'm being fair when I say this. I, I think it didn't matter that he got hurt or not. I think just because she was eye candy and became more popular than him, like it, it didn't really matter what he, he could have fucking wrestled, uh, Meltzer six star matches all over the damn place, <laughs> and and it wouldn't have mattered. I think I think he was kind of doomed after that. But uh, the, uh, Miro and Sable defeat the artist formerly known as Goldust and Luna Bashan. I know, uh, listening to uh, Pritchard's podcast, he'll tell you Luna Bashan's one of those performers that never needed a title on her because she she was entertaining and she helped get other people over. It's definitely different. Um, yeah, definitely different. That fucking hair. <laughs> oh my god, it was like the. The, the mullet, basically, the, the female mullet. Yeah. She had the sides close, real close shave, and then she'd like paint uh, veins. Veins and shit, right? On the sides of her, her temples. That was, oh my god. Dark ass lipstick. <laughs> yeah. I vaguely remember Goldust in this incarnation. I know he was coming out with a lot of like weird shit on, like uh, lingerie, like fishnet stockings and shit over his tights. Yeah. How do you guys feel about Goldust in general? Goldust the gimmick. Wow. Uh, for the longest time, I never really liked it. But there was times where it did work. Now we're back at the point again where it doesn't work and no one really cares. Yeah, no one really cares. Yeah, definitely. I was I was obviously a super young kid when uh, Goldust first came out. Was it late 96 or 97? 
and it was at um, it was at that time where we nece- we weren't necessarily as accepting as a as a nation of homosexuality, and Goldust was kind of that borderline character. Is he or is he not? And does it really matter? And it was just really different. It was a really different character. So going back and and, hear, and seeing some of that stuff, like it was it was intriguing. I don't know if it, if it necessarily works this day and age. So I, I guess in that it certainly worked then for a short time. Overall, it's just one of those characters that uh, you the glass ceiling was really low on, and you certainly had no chance of ever breaking it. It was just, I mean, you're never going to be world champion. You're never going to be anything, really. So, I think this is where I insert the footnote that Vince Russo was uh, a big part of a lot of the gold dust stuff that's out there. Take take that how you like. I know a lot of people aren't fans of Vince Russo. I myself included. I like the I like the gimmick when it first came out. Him as a heel and how uncomfortable he would make the guys and and all that. That was awesome. Here as the artist formerly known as Goldust, complete and utter horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was bad. It was it was not entertaining. I would have I would have much rather watched Luna Bashan fight Mark Merrow at, <laughs> at this point. And she could have. She definitely and she probably would have won. Like shoot or not, I think she would have won. I will say at one time Gold Dust did like, you know, how you said he made the guys feel uncomfortable, which he did. But like it was kind of scary sometimes. It, not all the time, but sometimes it, it kind of freaked me out. Like it spooked me out. Like when's he gonna do that <sighs> that yeah, bite thing? And like there, well, there's, <laughs> there's stories, there's stories out there in podcasts and, and YouTube and stuff where uh, guys that worked with him talk about how just uncomfortable he made the other the other wrestlers uh, when he was in character. And you know, obviously. You know, there there's some some stories out there too where you know uh, his his father was not okay with the gimmick mm-hmm. and kind of disowned him for uh, for a little while because he didn't want his son playing a homosexual. So uh, there's that too. Uh, it, it definitely hit a nerve with with a lot of people. I told my son I didn't want him doing it. I told him 479 times. The boy never did listen. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> oh, it's burning in me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, again, I, I don't like this this version of Gold Dust. They could have kept it. And, and quite honestly, I don't even know how this match made it to the main card. I, <laughs> I think this should have been like a fucking free for all. Sunday match. Night Heat or Sunday free, Night Heat, yeah. free for all, whatever. What do you want to call it? Whatever free program they're giving you before WrestleMania at this point. So. <laughs> Outside as you're entering the building. <laughs> <laughs> this match gets followed by a singles match for the Intercontinental Championship. It goes about five minutes. It's The Rock. Who Was he still Rocky Maivia at this time? I think it was at that transitioning phase. Okay, so he, he was a little bit of both. He's the current IC champ. He defeats Ken Shamrock by DQ. Keep in mind that the rest of the na- well, most of the rest of the nation was here with him. In D'Lo Brown, Kama Mustafa, and Mark Henry, Ron Simmons was not there. Uh, Farouk. Farouk, nope. Farouk wasn't there. They were going through a uh, power struggle for leader of the nation at the time. How do you guys feel about Rocky and the Nation? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? I mean, I was I was a DX fan, so yeah. I mean, I I think this was still pre. 
DX Nation rivalry because I, I think they yeah uh, I, I would say so yeah because yeah. I, I know I know it kind of culminated at SummerSlam that year before the IC title between H and uh, Rock um, I don't know I I was but I was also a huge Ken Shamrock fan too were you I, you know I just, this is me I I was my my dad yeah we used to him and I used to watch um, to my mom's displeasure the original UFC. Uh, back when it was a really kind of it was obviously still on pay per view, but it was more of a darker entity where you know guys are really fighting. Not that they're not really fighting now, but <clears throat> um, it was definitely something that was uh, kind of taboo at that time to watch, especially as a, as a kid. <laughs> Very taboo. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was I was a huge Ken Shamrock fan just because he was he was kind of a loudmouth punk, and he reminded me of a wrestler even before he became a professional wrestler. So I was excited when he came to WWE. So I was definitely rooting against The Rock in this uh, in this match, uh, just because I wanted to see Ken Shamrock. Uh, keep in mind, I'm eight years old still. Uh, I wanted to see Ken Shamrock break The Rock's ankle. So I don't know if you know this, but this is Ken Shamrock's second time in the company. He was actually a a jobber, an enhancement talent, years and years and years before this. This is news to me. Uh, I never knew that either. I don't remember his name right off the top of my head. Um, so he knew. Uh, he knew how to work and stuff. <laughs> Dan Forley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Rocky defeats Ken Shamrock here. Well, he actually loses the match, technically, if I'm not mistaken. I'm oh, pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, please, please. Yeah. He, uh, he, uh, he submits to the ankle lock, and Ken Shamrock, being the, uh, the loose cannon he is, he wouldn't let go of the ankle lock, and the referee then re- just, uh, reverses the decision and disqualifies him for not listening. And therefore, the Rock keeps the title via disqualification. So that's how that's how that match goes down. It was a pretty short match, actually. I looking back at it now, I you know, not even five minutes. Like holy, holy shit! Like that's that's a really short match, and that's that's one of those matches. That, you know, if we were to do it live now, I'd be like, oh, that's gonna be a really good one. It's actually the shortest match on the card. So Goldust got longer. Goldust, yeah. Goldust got longer. Goldust, uh, like five minutes longer. Jesus. Yeah, right. And then we have a dumpster match for the WWF Tag Team Championship. It goes a little over ten minutes. Uh, We have the New Age Outlaws, uh, Billy Gunn and Road Dogg, Jesse James, part of DX versus Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie. Now, I didn't know that they were tag champs at the time. Um, I didn't know this until now, but Matt just told me this was his first time <laughs> seeing Terry Funk. Yes, please, please yeah. tell us about your first, <laughs> your first opinions of Terry Funk here. Um, I gotta be a wrestling nerd first. Uh, New Age Outlaws, not DX yet. Oh, you're right. Next night, you're, you're next right. night they yep. become DX. You're right. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I had no idea who Chainsaw Charlie was, and. This guy comes in and he's got pantyhose over his face and he's old as shit and I was like, why is he even wrestling? And he just he's acting like a like a freaking maniac and I had no idea that uh, this guy was like a legendary wrestler uh, until like a month later when I'm talking about it with a mutual friend who got me into wrestling. I was like, Dude, this guy's this guy's Terry Funk like he's was in the NWA. He was like, you know, he's he does all this great stuff, and I was just, I was completely dumbfounded. I'm like, man, this this guy now is acting like a complete maniac, dressing like a like an old uh, like almost like a 
Texas Chainsaw type killer. I mean, I guess that's what it's supposed to be, Chainsaw Charlie. But yeah. uh, I don't know. It it was just funny because it's just there. There was my ignorance as a as a wrestling fan at the time, where it's like, oh, this guy's terrible. And it's up being one of the best, one of the better wrestlers, you know, in the business. It's funny you mentioned the Texas Chainsaw because the story behind this whole gimmick of Chainsaw Charlie was. I want to say the promotion was FMW in Japan. Terry Funk had worked in, and they wanted him to come in. And they originally they wanted, uh, I believe it was Vince Russo, wanted Cactus Jack to show up with this box. And week after week, he would show up with this box. And eventually, we would get to see what's in the box and, and who was in the box. And uh, they decided uh, they were gonna. That was the way they were gonna bring Terry Funk in. But too many people knew who Terry Funk was, and so Terry Funk decided to uh, put his two cents into the the conversation. He remembers there being a Leatherface gimmick over in FMW. He, you know, I can't do a Terry Funk voice, but uh, in, in Terry Funk's words, uh, you know, let me come in, I'll I'll mimic Leatherface, and and I'll bring my chainsaw from home, and and I'll come out of the box like that. We'll, we'll scare the hell out of everybody, and I'll put I'll put some over my face, and that's how Chainsaw Charlie became Chainsaw Charlie. Knowing that now, what got lost in translation, uh, in in Terry Funk's eyes. How do you go from looking like Leatherface to a guy in dressed in jeans and suspenders with pantyhose over your head wielding a chainsaw? That's what I want to know. <laughs> there's no, there's no like, there, there's no better face mask you could come up with. I mean, it looks like he's trying to rob a, a maple syrup store. <laughs> Your thoughts on this match, Mr. Wrestling 6? I thought the match was cool. You know, at the time, I also did not know a lot about Terry Funk. Let alone, did I even know that tech, uh, Chainsaw Charlie was Terry Funk. I mean, I, I kind of knew who he was, but I'd never seen any of the matches. I've heard the name, blah, blah, blah. I've seen, like, some ECW promo stuff before, but never saw him wrestle. Knew he was a legend, but didn't know anything other than that. You got to work with Terry Funk, didn't you? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> a distant cousin. <laughs> a distant cousin. <laughs> yeah, this drunk lady we would work with on a, a couple different times. And we used to call her DTF, Drunk Terry Funk. Because <laughs> she just looked beat up as hell and walk around fucked up like him. And, <laughs> and just say crazy shit, but... Be convincing while she was saying it. Uh, I, I should yeah. just like looking like Leatherface. That's kind of how she was. I think she would say, "Yeah." If she said, "I'm gonna come like Leatherface," it would be how she saw Leatherface. <laughs> we we should have put we should have bought some pantyhose for her and put it on her head. Like she would have been just pictures with her. <laughs> Get her all jacked up. Hey, put this on your head. She okay, honey. She, yeah, she would have done it. Like, chainsaw and a cigarette in her hand. <laughs> Hold my bottle. <laughs> Hold my bottle wild turkey for me. <laughs> don't forget my pills. <laughs> All eight bottles. Cactus Jack. I don't know if this was my favorite incarnation of Mick Foley here in in, uh, in the company, but uh, definitely awesome to see Cactus Jack uh, all the time. Really quick, who, who, what, what was your favorite version of Mick Foley in, in WWE? 
I'm going Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack. Uh man, I I still gotta go Mankind. Yeah, that early Mankind stuff yeah. was really fucking cool. Um, Cactus Jack's really close though. I I much more enjoyed Cactus Jack in uh, WCW, WCW yeah. and, and Japan and, and places like that. Um, what do you guys think about the the New Age Outlaws here? And and uh, remember, uh, they were not DX. That happened the night after. Yeah, on not the quite Raw. yet. Yeah, I remember around that time with Mania on the rise. You know, Shawn Michaels and, and uh, Triple H were talking to them backstage. They had some segments. They might have been on a Raw or something. It, well, it had to have been Raw. Yeah, it had to have been Raw. <clears throat> but uh, I would even think to myself, like, how come how come these guys aren't a part of it? Like, that made me feel like, how come they're not making these guys part of their, their group? Well, it makes you wonder, though, too. Like, if, if Shawn Michaels didn't take a hiatus, would they have been part of it? Was he the reason why they didn't do it? Or, you know, because when Shawn Michaels left... It's like, well, DX goes on via Triple H, and he brings in this whole new army or whatever you want to call right. it. It was, this, if that not happens, let's change history here. You know, Shawn Michaels still there. Uh, new Age Outlaws, do they come? Does, does X-Pac ever come? Like, what what happens? Uh, what do you r- think? Remind happens? the listeners why Shawn Michaels was not there. Shawn Michaels was not there. It started at the Royal Rumble uh, same year uh, in January. And he had a match, a coffin match against The Undertaker, in which uh, there was a spot where he was tossed over the top rope and he landed, his back landed right at the edge of the the coffin, which I believe was like a wooden coffin. And uh, definitely hurt his back. I, I don't know the exact injury, but it was very, very bad injury to the point where he didn't really do anything from, from then on, from then until WrestleMania. Probably shouldn't even have competed at WrestleMania. Uh, but he was definitely severely hurt and did the match. And um, afterwards, he went off and got himself taken care of But uh, as far as the back goes. But then he also had some personal demons he had to deal with as well. And he got himself a Nitro Girl, too. And he got himself a Nitro Girl. Oh, that's right. His Still wife. has that Nitro Girl, too. Yeah, yeah. His, his, his wife is a yeah. former Nitro Girl. I completely forgot about that. So this was this was the last time that we, as far as our, a uh, in ring performance goes, um, this is the last time we see Shawn Michaels. Actually, I take that back. Catch it on the WWE Network, which uh, you can get a link through our site at twenty x twenty crew dot com slash podcast slash WWE Network. Um, there was actually a one off match that he did in San Antonio. They have uh, under the uh, hidden gems. Oh, that's on there. Yeah, it's on there. Oh, I didn't know that. He, uh, I'm, I'm assuming he's still on there. He, uh, I don't know who he competed against. It might have been Justin Incredible. I don't know why that name pops in my head, but it might have been him. But yeah, it was a one-off show. It was in San Antonio, and uh, yeah, he competed in, in a match. It was like 2000. But other than that, he that this was his last match until 2002. That might have been the match he did to promote his wrestling school. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. think that's that might be the same match. Um, I don't know if it was just incredible. But I don't know why that name popped in my head. I it's probably wrong. I, just incredible, aka Alba Montoya. You know, I, had, I had no idea that match was on the network. I'll have to check that out or see if it's still out there. But yeah, to go back though, what happens with DX if Shawn Michaels is still around? You know what? I think me personally, I think I think they still would have involved other people. I don't know if they would have referred to it as DX's army. Or anything like that, just because of the way the 
Monday Night Wars heated heated up. I'm not sure it would have been the same cast of characters. But but also, and I'm not taking anything away from uh, Billy Gunn or uh, Road Dog here, but because I mean they were their their stocks were clearly on the rise. I mean they were they were becoming some solid mid carters at at that time. So I think they would have eventually gotten in somehow, some way. But uh, I, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure who who else would have been in there. But now now that you uh, refresh my memory about them being uh, inducted the next night on Raw. Didn't that take place? Uh, there was a cage match? Yes. Yeah, it was a cage match for the titles. That was fucking awesome to see. Uh, yeah, that I, that I do remember. And I, I remember being blown away like, you know, it, it's about time. It's about time that they they are officially recognized as as DX members. Yeah, with um, Xbox showing up and yeah, all. Um, that was cool. I also think, too, had Michael still... Had he not been hurt, he was still with DX. Whether he kept the title or he lost it, and you bring, you know, the DX army in, and they did the invasion in WCW, I think it would have been a lot more vulgar than what we saw. Because back then, Shawn Michaels didn't give a fuck. True. There was nothing yeah. he wouldn't say or do. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff you can you guys can uncover out there about the, that whole invasion thing. Uh, I'm sure we'll cover it on another episode, but, uh, you know... They were told not to go in the building at all. They were, you know, they were told a bunch of stuff. And, you know, they still tested the waters. And I'll leave it at that. But um, you're right. I, I, I agree with you on that. I, I think it would have been a hell of a lot more uh, vulgar and, and, uh, and envelope-pushing, if you will. Shawn Michaels, HBK, had stuck around and not been injured. Yeah, and I think he could have been more of a magnet to pull, to pull Hall and Nash out of that building and come give him a two sweet. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah, true, very true. I, I, I got to ask this question. I know it's a little bit off topic, but kind of not. Um, what do you think? I, I don't know if we ever fully got his his opinion on the uh, the Bullet Club invasion, but what do you think about Triple H? Do you think he was uh, secretly smiling when, when this was happening? Or you know, they say, you know, yeah, I remember when I did that kind of thing. Or was... You know, the, or was he? Is he completely corporate and said, "What the? How dare you come to our our neck of the woods and do this?" I think in front of Vince he would be that way, but <laughs> I think deep down inside he'd like, like you just said, I remember doing yeah, this and like, like hey, boy. that's pretty yeah. cool. These guys are trying to take it to the next level too. Yeah. You know, I get it. I appreciate it. And then he's also the business side kicks him again. <laughs> I'll own them one day too. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of truth, like deep down inside, that he he likes with. Yeah, I, I hope so. I because mean, he's all about the business. Yeah, this is part of the business. Yeah, I I, I would hope that somewhere he was, uh, even if he was near Vince, that he was kind of smirking in his mind at least. And it's like, yeah, you got us, you know, good job, kind of thing. I I think a lot of Triple H just kind of has to. Uh, he he's gonna do what's smart for him, what's best for him, <laughs> what's best for his own business. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and just kind of go along with shit where he's supposed to. Out of the two of them being Triple H and Vince McMahon, I think Triple H is much more in tune with the business these days and and what's possible. Well, yeah, I'm um, just thinking of NXT. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you, man. I think he's sitting there smirking. Like, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Mr. Wrestling 6 is right. He, he's got a job to do, and and I'm, I'm sure the, the corporate kicked in, and I was like, eh, I'll, I'll, you know, you know payback's <laughs> for a motherfucker. You'll be working for me one day, sooner or later. 
And there's only two other matches left on the card. We have The Undertaker uh, defeating Kane, who was flanked by Paul Bearer in a singles match. This one about a little over 17 minutes. Was this a straight-up one-on-one match? I can't think of there was, if there was any gimmicks or anything. No, it was straight-up one-on-one. No, one-on-one. yeah. yeah. Okay. This was this was an intriguing match, too, because it was really that, that first time where the uh, the tombstone wasn't uh, wasn't enough for uh, for the Undertaker. I mean, he ended up winning via tombstone, but it, if you guys remember, it was it took three tombstones to put down Kane. So even though Kane lost the match, I mean, he was put so over in uh, to, to for for the future for his future. And of course, Undertaker's streak was still alive and well at this point. So to me, this was actually one of my favorite matches from that card. As even as young as Kane was. I know he's been in the business for a while at this point as different uh, gimmicks, but he I don't think he actually I know he's never had this type of profile match and looking back at it now it's like man he handled himself so well and he put on a really good show against against the Undertaker who if you're not too familiar with with people's testimonials again uh, of him one of the one of the toughest guys to uh, to work with in the sense that he will work you to death he is such a professional in that ring and he expects perfection too um and and kane kane really delivered in this match even going back to the isaac yankum days yeah. of, of kane before he was kane i don't remember him coming across as a as a horrible worker at all i mean he's been stuck with shitty gimmicks here and there yeah but, uh he's always he's always been up there uh as far as caliber of work I really enjoy him as Kane. Obviously, the the gimmick has uh, withstood the test of time because he's still doing it. And uh, Paul Bear, <laughs> Paul Bear was uh, I, I could give or take Paul Bear. I mean, I think in the in the early parts of Undertaker's career, I think it worked out better than the later years. But uh, he was entertaining. I don't remember. This might have been uh, the pay per view. There's a pay per view where. Paul Bearer is at ringside, and the way they're shooting the camera, he's he's trying to run past one of the the cameras at ringside, away from someone, and I don't remember who it was. I, we're we're going to have to dig up the footage somehow, some way, and get it out there. But you can't see his legs. He's running away, and he, you can't see his legs, and he's he's a pretty portly guy. And so he's trying to run from one side of the ring around the ring steps and onto the other side. And by doing that, the way they shoot it, you can't see his legs, and he just looks like he's floating. And what makes it even more comical is as he's going by the camera, you hear him go, Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Fucking (laughs) Pac-Man, Pretty much. If anybody knows what I'm talking about out there, please get a hold of us, uh, 20x20crew at gmail.com, or or hit us us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash 20x20crew, and uh, either share the footage or a still photo or something. I definitely would love to know uh, what pay-per-view that was. It it was definitely a pay-per-view, though. <laughs> what uh, what what number win is is this for Undertaker at this point? Do you know? Oh, you put me on the spot. I <laughs> I don't know. That's what it's, I'm asking. It's definitely single digits. That's for sure. Ah, uh, man. Um, well, I know I know Ric Flair, which was eighteen, was number ten. Because I just remember him counting his finger on his fingers ten. Okay. So that was two thousand two. So. 
He competed at 17 against age. He did not compete at 16, a.k.a. WrestleMania 2000. He competed at 15 against Boss Man, so that'd be 8. So it's probably seven. number 7. Number yeah, seven. I'm going to say 7. For you guys, where does Kane rank uh, in Undertaker WrestleMania matches? This one? Or just in... Uh, definitely, this one's definitely a lot better than his uh, WrestleMania 20 match. Yeah? I agree with that. Do you like Kane better with Paul Bear or without Paul Bear? I can care less can care either less. way. With all due respect to just Paul Just kind of like what you said about The Undertaker... It worked for him at first. Okay. For the storyline purpose, definitely because yeah, of, of what I, they were trying to do with yeah, this. But yeah. It. And th- and then uh, we're we're at the final match now for the heavyweight title. Your special outside enforcer, uh, Mike Tyson, <laughs> in his awkward crotch chopping. Uh, you have the champion Shawn Michaels losing to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And uh, this is Austin's first heavyweight title for the company. A long time coming. Oh, yeah, definitely. The Austin era be- the begins. The Austin era begins. As Jim Ross said. I fucking that. love that belt. Especially the... Like Which the, one? The, the skull or the eagle belt? No, the eagle belt. Okay. But they had like a navy blue version that they had given to him. I don't know if that was like a permanent deal or not. I can't remember. But fucking gorgeous. Gorgeous version of winged eagle. The one they gave Austin or the one he won from a Shawn Michaels? Because remember, they gave him a new belt, like, was it a week later, two weeks later? <coughs> I don't remember which one was navy blue. But I know there was. I know Austin had a navy blue wing okay. eagle at one point. I don't know if it was for Mania or not, but uh, obviously uh, part of part of the the reason we're doing this podcast is because of Stone Cold. Your your overall thoughts on Stone Cold, your, your thoughts on this match, um... Shawn Michaels as a as a champ. Have at it. I love both guys, no doubt about it. Obviously, not the greatest match of all time, you know, because Michaels was hurt. But he still gave, dude. He gave everything, man. Do you think we would have gotten uh, a hell of a, a lot more out of the match if Michaels wasn't hurt? Oh, definitely. In the way of Austin's opponents at WrestleMania, how do you rank Shawn Michaels? It's. It, I mean, it's a little unfair just because uh, the aforementioned injury. You certainly, I certainly can't rank them higher than the first two rock matches. The the one from two thousand three was. Uh, <clears throat> it, I mean, it was definitely a stone cold that was obviously one foot out the door already. Um, but those matches he had against the Rock in nineteen and and uh, or sorry, uh, fifteen and seventeen uh, were some of the best performances he put out there but you look at Stone Cold at, at, at Wrestlemania obviously Bret Hart which I, I've talked about as being for me one of the most important wrestling matches that I've ever seen that has to be my number one you know rocked but other than that you have Shawn Michaels you got an aged Scott Hall and for some reason for life of me I can't remember anything else I mean I'm sure he competed at Wrestlemania as ringmaster Maybe, maybe yeah, not. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember. I'd, I'd have to. I'd have to do some digging. Because you got to remember, Stone Cold's career was cut short with the injuries, mm-hmm. so he didn't get as many WrestleManias as he as he would like. Uh, wasn't at uh, the the two thousand one. Um, wasn't there. So yeah, it was. It was really just those those guys. So I mean, <laughs> by default, Shawn Michaels gets put up <laughs> pretty high. Um, but no, it, it wasn't one of the best matches, and both guys would tell you that. And it's it's because of the injury. It's it's 
you know, obviously a back injury is is nothing to, to play with. And I, 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 I've said it many times, Shawn Michaels probably shouldn't even compete in this match. But I'm just going to show you what type of, uh, how much he loved the business that he wanted to be the guy to, to pass that title on. Um, Mike Tyson is the special outside enforcer here. I, obviously, he was brought in. Um, you know, it's WrestleMania. It's, it's, it's something special. It's a special appearance. Your thoughts on the way Tyson was used? Would you have liked to have done something, him to do something else in the match or with the match? I, I know they brought him in partly because he's Mike Tyson, and the, but he was also a big wrestling fan. I don't know if he still is or not, but I know he definitely used to enjoy his wrestling. I, uh, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't change really anything because he really wasn't involved in the match. I until the end. He didn't attack anybody until the end of the, the match was over. That's the way I would want it. I don't, I don't want any interference from Mike Tyson or anybody in this match like this. So no, I, I don't got no problem him coming in, wearing the DX gear and counting for Austin. That, that's uh, that's that's okay in my book. Um, him punching Shawn Michaels at the end wasn't necessary, but the match was already over. So to me, it's all fair game. So I, I wouldn't change anything. If if you had to have Mike Tyson in this match, yeah, then have him do as little as possible. Don't let him fuck up the match. Yeah, personally, I couldn't have seen it gone any other way either. Stone Cold Steve Austin as a ring performer at this point. Obviously, the company thought he was at the top of his game. You know, they handed off the title to him. What do you remember about watching this actually go down? I was very excited. It was one of those things where I was like 95% sure he was going to win. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he did, I was so happy and excited and gave me uh you know uh, that little kid feeling again of the excitement of like wow it's fun again I, I think i said it in episode one he's he's part of the reason that i got back into watching wrestling i i agree with me, me as yeah, well yeah he's a, he, i think he's he's very in, uh, instrumental in the revival of wrestling because we talked about how we dropped off for a couple of years mm-hmm. i mean don't get me wrong nwo thing was awesome but Austin is, is what what got what what pulled me back ultimately. Is there anyone else in the company at this time uh, that we could have seen pitted against Shawn Michaels for the title? If it wasn't Austin, who do you think it would have been? Nobody. WrestleMania doesn't happen. That's how. That, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm being serious. I mean, that WrestleMania happens, but Stone Cold was the only logical answer uh, given. Given. What if, what if he was hurt? If he was hurt. You had to pick somebody. I would pick Owen Hart, but there's no way in hell that would have have ever happened. Why Owen? I say Owen because revenge. What happened to Brett? Man, that's good. He's yeah. driven by yeah. hate. Dude, it's a whole new angle for Owen, man. I like that. I'm kind of surprised they never went that way. You know, I mean, obviously, they, there's there's uh, there's info out there where you know you find out um, Vince basically could give two shits whether Neidhart and Bulldog stayed after the fact. I mean, he kind of expected them to leave anyway. There, he did reach out to Owen and, and made sure Owen stayed around because he really liked Owen out of the three. He thought he had a, 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 a hot property in Owen as opposed to the other two. Um, so there goes the Hart Foundation. But, yeah, I man, I really like that idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's nowhere near as good as that. But the the if if Shawn Michaels knows he's leaving the company, I I, I don't know what about starting DX the new DX that night and and go the Triple H route. 
you know, if if you're if you're gonna if you're not gonna be around, then then screw you. Then you're not obviously you're not tough enough to be part of D Generation X. You're you're a broken man, and I'm the next big thing now. Oh, wow, yeah. You know? That would be interesting, too. <clears throat> yeah. So, I don't know. Either way, though, it, Stone Cold still is, is the right one. To, uh, I understand the, the whole injury angle, but Stone Cold was the... It was one of those times where WWE got it right, where you have the hottest thing in professional... Not just WWE, but in professional yeah, wrestling. Pro wrestling, yeah. And it's like, well, what do you do with that guy? You put the goddamn title on him, and you run with him for as long as you can. And they did it. They did it for the most part. They did it. So that was that was the uh, the easiest answer of a of a champion <laughs> was going for Stone Cold. Any other any other news and notes you you want to cover for this WrestleMania? No, I mean we kind of we kind of hit on a lot of it. I mean, obviously this was the beginning of the the new incarnation of Degeneration X. The Austin era. The Austin era. Yeah, the Austin era begins. Yeah, and you know, The Rock. Rock became kind of a, a star shortly after this. I mean, he became the leader of the nation. He had some tremendous matches with Triple H, and and uh, yeah. throughout throughout the nineties and early two thousands. But yeah. it started with that SummerSlam. Fully loaded. They fully loaded. The, yeah, the, yeah. The, when they had that, the, what was it? The, the bull strap match. Yeah, yeah. Those guys beat the shit out and of each other. The ladder match at, at SummerSlam. At SummerSlam. Yeah. Next month. Yeah. Yeah. They they destroyed each other. So I mean, this was kind of like that first time where The Rock was. Um, the Rock was really starting to hit that 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 uh, plateau of superstardom, and then Ken Shamrock too. Ken Shamrock to me is one of the biggest disappointments in professional wrestling because he left. Uh, he left when he he could have been something huge. Yeah, I really liked Ken Shamrock. I know he's kind of a jag off to, to deal with, but <laughs> you know, there's other wrestlers who have that same uh, same same thing that they can say about them. He chose uh, MMA and he chose. A, a career of losing, you know, constantly to, to instead of being a, a world champion and in wrestling, because according to him, it was too easy. Well, didn't it, he? It was. It was too easy. Did he not end up? So in, was losing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> did he not? Uh, did Ken Shamrock not end up in TNA? He did as, for a little bit as NWA heavyweight champ. First world champion in TNA, yes. Okay, and that Short was lived. that was still the the NWA belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. But then he went back to MMA and lost some more. I mean, obviously, the at that point, uh, the NWA title or TNA title, because I think they were trying to co co brand it at that point. Um, obviously, still nowhere near as, as big or major as the WWF title. Yeah, if, if Ken Shermack doesn't leave, he's he's. I mean, just think about it. I mean, he's main eventing WrestleMania with Kurt Angle. You know, at some point, I think. Uh, okay, let's fantasy book that. How? How from from the t- from WrestleMania 14 until Shamrock becomes champ? How how what are we talking? Months, a year? It's tough because the Austin era probably over a year because he was still in uh, in WWF in the in 99 to 2000. I would say probably a couple years till they finally realized what they had. I don't know in 2000. I don't know how much how much of his foot was out the door. So I don't know if it was a contract thing because he kind of fell off, but uh, it certainly wasn't from a lack of talent. He was still delivering. Who, if if they made him champ, who would he have won the title from? <sighs> I mean, I would love to see it against Kurt Angle. Not Austin. You don't think Austin would be up there? Would Would Austin have wanted to work with? I don't see why not. No. Yeah, I think the logical choice would be Austin to really put him over. What about Angle? 
Angle didn't win his first belt until when? Two. Was it October of two thousand? It was. It was his rookie year. It was two thousand. Yeah, yeah, October two thousand. Because he's Undertaker, Undertaker and, right? Oh, it wasn't the Undertaker. Remember no, he did the Undertaker. Then he had, yeah, the Survivor he, Series that year. Yeah. So it was November I, when he won it. Then I thought right? it was against The Rock. You know, you might have been right. I don't know. I want to say it was the Undertaker. Yeah, we'll go with the Undertaker. Because remember, he sure. had like that twin. Yeah. It was. It was actually his real brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. his real, real brother. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if they're twins, but uh, they definitely look alike. They got that that uh, generic crew cut. Hairstyle going on. <laughs> you don't have to style it at all. Yeah. Just get out of the shower and you're done. Yeah. To me, I say Kurt Angle because I just wanted to see. I wanted to see that match. Um, Austin, as far as getting somebody over, you beat Austin in the uh, late '90s and early 2000s. You definitely were over. So yeah, that definitely makes more sense in that in that uh, sense. Don't get me wrong. A match with Angle. I mean. <laughs> A feud with Angle would have been fucking oh, yeah. terrific. Oh yeah, <clears throat> I mean he's months they could have ran a great program. If 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 Ken Shamrock sticks around though, does Kurt Angle do used Ankle Lock? Mm. They give him that. What if they're both laying on the mat, fucking locking each other, <laughs> spitting say, in each other's faces? I was, I was gonna say, why, I mean, that could have been a, a, a point of contention between the two. Yeah, like, hey, it could have been. I have the better ankle lock. You know? Yeah, if I win this match, you don't ever get to use that yeah. move again. Exactly. You could, you could actually do a submission match, but you can only do an ankle lock. Yeah, there you go. I, I, like, shit, that books itself. The most goddamn boring match I've ever seen. I'm <laughs> <laughs> barbecue sauce. What about uh, what about the Rock here? Uh, obviously, he's got the IC title on him. Um, you know, he he beats Ken Shamrock by DQ. I mean, it, even even if it's by DQ, Rock is IC champ. Did you love it? Did you hate it? Well, again, I I was eight, so I definitely hated it. But that was the point. <laughs> I I hated The Rock. I despised The Rock for the way he won that title. I was uh, not in tears by any means, but I was definitely bummed that uh, Shamrock didn't win that title because I was I marked out twice that night, and it was uh, Ken Shamrock initially winning the Intercontinental title, and then of course Stone Cold. I uh, I got yelled at so bad by my mom for jumping on her couch uh, when Stone Cold won that title. So. Um, but yeah, I was I was super super ecstatic when when Shamrock won it, and then when he lost it, I I almost just was like I don't want to watch this anymore. I, I hated The Rock. The Rock was like my Miz at that point, where it's like everything that guy says, I just I want to slap the taste out of his mouth. I but he's also, doing his job. I also got yelled at for jumping on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but you actually broke the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Last thoughts about uh, WrestleMania 14 as, as as we're celebrating 20 years. What uh, what else what else sticks out? Um, what else holds holds the test of time here that uh, you'd like to comment on? Well, Sergeant Slaughter's still around, but does he he's still alive? Does he work for the company still? I think I don't know if he's still I I don't know if he's got that legends contract where he can just kind of do go come and go as he pleases, um, which I don't even know how that works. If you just paid by appearances or if you're just allowed like backstage access and <laughs> they pay him in camouflage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, where do you where do you rank it? Where do you rank WrestleMania 14 as far as uh, I'm not gonna ask you to put all the WrestleManias in order, but 
Is it up there? Is it in the middle somewhere, or is it is it bottom for you guys? For me, it's it's up there, and it's because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, like I said, he was a big reason I I got back into watching wrestling. I I agree with Mr. Wrestling Six over here. It made me feel like a kid again. I really enjoyed the product. I any chance, any opportunity, I got to see Stone Cold do anything. I was there. I was. I was. I was. I was on it like white on rice, man. I was glued to the television. Whenever we could make it to live events, we you know headed out and the whole nine. It was. He, he's. Uh, he's definitely a very important part of my wrestling uh, experience. I couldn't put a number on it. I, I'm. I, I'm. We're not there yet. I think that's a. That's a whole other episode. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Ooh. Yeah, without <laughs> a, a lot doubt. of homework. <laughs> what about China? Your 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 last thoughts on China here? And obviously, she's more or less a muscle for for what is to be the DX Army at this point. But your your thoughts on on uh, on her and, and and the rest of her career going on here? I'm gonna say the same thing I said about uh, Ken Shamrock, and it's one of the she's one of the biggest disappointments for me in, in professional wrestling. Um, and I know. There's, I don't actually, I'm not gonna say I know, I don't know for a fact, for a fact, but uh, I'm pretty sure there's some, there's some uh, mental problems that came in her life too. Why she made the decisions that she made, um, because you you talk about, and I just had this conversation not that long ago about the the women's revolution, how nobody mentions China, and and I said nobody is to blame for that besides China because. She made her bed, and she walked away from a golden opportunity she could have been a part of. Obviously, it was many years beforehand, but she kind of uh, she made every she burned every bridge that kind of that 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 came her way, and it's unfortunate that uh, that she did that because China was one of the more more intriguing uh, personas in professional wrestling, not just then but ever, and. Whether you were a fan of her, I'm not a huge China fan. I'm not going to sit there and say it like I was with Ken Shamrock. But it was definitely an important thing. You know, she was the first woman woman to compete in a Royal Rumble match. She was the first woman to hold a WWE championship that wasn't meant for a, a quote-unquote wasn't meant for a woman. It was a man's title when she won the Intercontinental title. Something that's never happened since. Uh, definitely a very important person. Uh, yeah. uh, definitely a very important person, but just uh, had some demons, unfortunately, that uh, never really could it's, conquer. It's, it's been put out there that part of the reason she kind of walked away was uh, she wasn't happy with the way she was being booked. Um, she wanted to be booked like like a guy, like she was one of the boys. And they, for whatever reason, wouldn't book her. And, and again, I'm not putting this all on Vince Russo. But um, he is partly to blame because he was doing some of the booking. So I think um, more than anything, her patience probably wore thin and she just got tired of it. Even though she made all these progressive milestones for, for women in the company. Yeah. It gets forgotten nowadays, too. It does. It does a lot. And I think a lot of that is intentional. You know, no one, no one wants to. It kind of like the whole thing with Macho Man. You know, you you do bad by the company, and they just kind of sweep you under the rug until they're comfortable with having you back around again. Yeah. So I miss China. Yeah, I do miss China. 
I, I, I think, very intriguing person in I, wrestling. I think, I think if, if she would have had a, a little more patience and maybe kind of stepped away from the company uh, and maybe worked elsewhere, even if it was for a little while, and, and I'm not saying here in, sta- in the States, like maybe try to, to work uh, in Mexico or, or Japan, somewhere. Because, I mean, there, there, were, there were other opportunities for her. I mean, she could have... And shit, if she wanted to be booked uh, so badly like a, a male, um, she could have went and wrestled in FMW where they were doing death matches in the whole nine. And she would have held her own. Well, she, she had opportunities most recently uh, in, in TNA. Uh-huh. And it just, it, it was it was an ultimatum. You do this, you don't do adult movies. We don't want that. And she wanted both. She wanted, you know, she she wouldn't step away from that. Which, you know, whatever, it's your choice. You do what you want. But uh, I certainly feel, giving everything that you know that she went through in wrestling, that having that opportunity in professional wrestling might have might have helped her. Not saying that she would be here today had she made that choice. I'm not saying that you know anything like that. But um, I don't know. I, I I felt that you know maybe maybe that would have. I, I still feel like it would have been a lot better for her if she made that choice instead of uh, doing the other stuff. But uh, going back to the to WrestleMania, this was another another little quick fact about me. This was my first WrestleMania that I watched live, and that streak has continued since. I don't know if I should pass the Undertaker. Yeah, I can't. I don't <laughs> do the math. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, this is my first one I watched live uh, from beginning to end. Um, I've seen them all since, but so does this mean you're gonna uh, lose against Brock Lesnar at some point? Brock Lesnar's gonna cost me from seeing. Okay. Yeah, which could be this year. It could be this year. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know if I can sit through another Brock Lesnar main event. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, it, so this one holds a special place. Any I, I like for for a lot a lot of us. Anytime we have a first, you know, first time you saw uh, anything like Booker T was you know my first my 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 gateway to wrestling. So. You know, he holds a special place in my heart because it was uh, my 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 first wrestler I ever saw. So this was uh, definitely a special one for me. And again, my, my two big markout moments in Stone Cold, uh, and you know the other great matches like with Undertaker, and, and I love the dumpster match. I thought that was really cool, especially <laughs> at eight years old. Like, did they do that? They put people in dumpsters. Yes, uh, yes they do. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, it was, it was cool. I uh, I wouldn't say it's my number one by any means, but uh, it's it's definitely ranks up there. It's important one for me. For more information on WrestleMania 14, you can always visit us over at 20x20crew.com. Uh, if you'd like to catch it on the network, we have information on that too. Uh, just head over to 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE network. And of course, uh, you can also visit our store on the website and uh, purchase a copy of WrestleMania 14 to take home. Uh, which is, you know, if you're a collector, it's definitely an important piece to have in your collection. Especially if you're a Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter, at 20x20crew. Catch us on Facebook, at facebook.com slash 20x20crew. Um, let us know uh, what you think about WrestleMania 14. Your favorite moment. Uh, your, your most hated moment. Anything you want to talk about. Thank you for checking out this anniversary episode. Until next time, we'll we'll see you in the ring.
so very, very much for being with us at this history-making WrestleMania 14. So long, everybody. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you what to wear. Hell no, I'm not better. But I am smarter. I'll bow to the masters. The masters over at Rays. Rays will hook you up with all kinds of discounted gift cards for your favorite places to eat, for your favorite places to shop online and in store. They have any place you could possibly think of, and they even have discounts on ride sharing services like Lyft and Uber in case you guys need to make it to a show. So hop on over and support the show. Support your 20x20 crew. Visit us for more information. Information on raise and discount gift cards over at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash raise. That's R-A-I-S-E 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash raise. And we got two words for you. Save money. WrestleMania 14 was originally sponsored by M&M's. I'm always fascinated about their sponsors. It isn't something that you you necessarily pay attention to. <laughs> Has there ever been a sponsor that like stuck out in your head for one reason or another, good or bad? I don't know. Like I, I guess I never really paid too much attention to the sponsors myself. I always I always loved. It was like a good like year it seemed that they were doing Mountain or Diet Mountain Dew so that every time they show them they had these bright ass like neon green drinks in front of them <laughs> and it, it was it was almost distracting just thought the lights touching it and, and I yeah it's and it was it's shameless plugging and good for them but yeah it was just it just threw me off it was like I'm, I'm sitting trying to watch the product and I get these bright ass green pops in front of me and <laughs> The original date for WrestleMania 14 was March 29th, 1998. They had an attendance record of 19,028 people. And it took place at the Fleet Center in Boston. Mike Tyson was a special enforcer in the main event. This was Austin's first heavyweight title reign. Shawn Michaels wrestled with a severe injury and would not compete again until SummerSlam 2002. This, this WrestleMania is also cited as being the beginning of the Attitude Era because of Austin's title reign. That beginning of the Attitude Era is, is uh, kind of a... It's kind of a... Uh, it's, it's all out. It's, it's all around that as far as what's, what's being declared as the beginning of the Attitude Era. Some people say it was SummerSlam 97 with the... Uh, the Bret Hart Undertaker match with Shawn Michaels as referee, and the whole Bret Hart spitting in his face, which a lot of people in that in that time period got a lot of Bret Hart loogies. <laughs> uh, he just he was just tossing them out, man. You uh, know what? That makes that to me that makes uh, much more sense as being defined as the beginning of the Attitude Era because if, I think uh, thinking back now. I think Bret Hart was probably the first one to be actively attitudinal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he did it consistently. That's a technical whether, term, by the way. <laughs> he did it consistently, whether it was on television or pay-per-view or, or what have you. 
I think I think what the attitude ever was supposed to represent was this is going to be a little bit of plugging for for Booker T here, a little bit of reality of wrestling. Five time. Five time. Uh, <laughs> by the way, reality wrestling is a uh, is, is is a promo down in Texas. But anyways, um, it was it was a, it was a way to just say you know we're not gimmicks anymore. I know Vince did that whole spiel on Raw where we're not going to insult the intelligence, which I guess only lasted for, f- for a few years. Now he's going to insult them again. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Bret Hart was that guy. He was that, that goody two shoes, if you if you will. And now he's like, you know what? I'm I don't like what's going on here. It's disgusting. This is not the wrestling that I like. And I'm going to convey it on 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 screen. And also, too, you know, you had D-Generation X. They were already alive yeah, they, and well. I was going to say, they were pretty much established. Yeah. Then, so. Well, they had to have been because, you, you know, you remember that Shawn Michaels, just, he was done after this. That's right. So, yeah, so he, he, he had already established D-Generation X, and they were already doing shenanigans and uh, stuff that's, you know, they had the whole State of the Union address that's that was right. controversial. Yeah, and, that's right. You know, it was, it was, things were already changing, and... And there's there's other little things, but those are the two main ones. So I, I I agree. I think that Bret Hart, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels bit was the start. One of the teams in the tag team battle royal on this card was Legion of Doom, and they come out uh, repackaged with Sonny as LOD 2000. And this is their first match back since February 23rd of 1998, which happened to be on a, a Monday Night Raw. Growing up. Legion of Doom or the Road Warriors, whatever you want to call them, those are the first two guys I had ever witnessed in mm-hmm. professional wrestling. So to me, they were always a big deal. How do you feel about them being repackaged and with Sonny? Because that last Raw that they were on, so keep in mind, they were on Raw February 23rd of that year. They didn't come back until March of a little over a month later, they were they were absent, completely absent, but they came back repackaged. But leading up to that Raw, they had suffered losses, like three three or four losses in a row on TV. Now, I know, you know, wins and losses in professional wrestling is a high, uh, highly debatable uh, topic because it, it, isn't, it, it isn't and it shouldn't be about wins and losses. You're just trying to put on an entertaining match because, you know, it's pro wrestling right i don't know how you felt but i am I'm, I'm interested to know because f- for me as a as a legion of doom fan it was really fucking disheartening to see these guys in such a state of shambles if you will yeah you know what actually i just rewatched that match a few days ago it's it, it just it looked like it was such a forced Force thing. I mean, they they came out. It was a surprise. It shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody that they were going to design to win that match. Like they just, they just didn't look like they wanted to be there. They they were not really playing <laughs> into the crowd at all. They were just, you know, they did a couple poses and, and stuff like that. But it just, it just looked like uh, two old men that just like, what are we doing? And then and then and then you had to have Sonny who. Does not represent anything about Legion of Doom at all. Um, I mean, she was prior to this. She was what managing the 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 body donnas. The or, body donnas. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, or you know, I, I think the smoking guns too. Prior yeah, smoking to that. guns and, too. Yeah. 
She's just like, hey, I'm just going to go, you know, because I, I'm attractive. I'm just going to do this. And it's like, you know what? It, it just, it was insulting <laughs> as, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, it, it was, it was, it was definitely, this, disheartening is, is the appropriate term. Okay. It really was. Triple H versus Owen Hart. Owen Hart was the only member of the Hart family or the Hart Foundation to stay with the company following uh, the Montreal Screwdrop. It has come out way after the fact that he was more or less persuaded by Vince to stay. Vince was only interested in Owen staying because um, he would eventually let go uh, Jim Neidhart and uh, Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog. Um, and I'm not even going to count... Brian Pillman in this just yet because that's he was but he wasn't but out of those four guys I that's something I always wanted to ask you about this whole situation and I'm sure we'll do an episode about the Montreal screw job down the line somewhere but in in the way of keeping Owen Hart after after the fact did you have any input did you have any thoughts some I've always wanted to ask you I mean it this is a, like this was really the the first time uh, hearing that Vince persuaded him to stay, and I mean, it, on paper it sounds great. I, he's a, a tremendous talent. I mean, who wouldn't want Owen Hart on the roster? Well, and, the, and that's that's kind of the the idea out there, or that, that has been put out there, is Vince only saw a future with Owen because of his talent, yeah. as opposed to Nightheart and, and Davy Boy Smith. And I, I guess the, my my question was, and obviously. It all got cut short tragically because I mean we're talking WrestleMania, March twenty ninth of nineteen ninety eight. I mean, you, know, uh, you hate to talk about it, but Owen Hart only had fourteen months left of his life, yeah, left to live. Uh, obviously, nobody knew that, but it was what what was going to be the plan with him is that's what I, I mean. That's one of the things that you always have to wonder because at that time. I can tell you right now that I felt that Owen Hart was trapped. That Owen Hart was stuck here. Like there had him in some contract situation that he was stuck and he didn't want to be there because he was always he was always number 2 or at best. He was never number 1 at that point. He was a member of the Nation of Domination or he was Jeff Jarrett's tag team partner. Like he was never anything beyond that. And and again, I I know Sometimes these things take time, and who would have, who would have known? You know, maybe maybe they were waiting for him to have a legit part uh, opponent like a Kurt Angle, for example. Oh, um, wow. I mean, fantasy booked that one. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. I I, I really don't know. Uh, I I would like to think that Vince had saw saw Owen Hart as a legit player, not just like oh you maybe he'd win the European or Intercontinental title. But like world champion too, because he certainly was that that talent. I, I would hope so. I, I I would hope that's the case, and I I hope that's why he he was kind of hell bent on keeping him with the company. You know, obviously none of that really came to fruition. I mean, here in in WrestleMania 14, he did, um, or he eventually got the European title out of out of out of this ordeal, but. Um, yeah, I mean it's, I don't know. It's it's one of those 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 tragic what ifs, and it, I it's why I always hated about talking about own heart because it's like God damn it, like man, we, I I really feel he, I know I know deep down he he was he was 
a guy that could have been multiple world champion. I don't know if that would ever have happened in WWE, but Owen Hart's one of those guys that, you know, let's let's look at it this way. I mean, 1999, that's three years prior to TNA and Ring of Honor coming into fruition. Like, he could have been a star there, too. Do you think uh, the rest of his career with the WWF or WWE um, was anything to do with like that curse of the good worker where hey we have a tremendous talent on our hands he doesn't necessarily need a heavyweight title um we're going to use him to put people over and that's what we're paying him for yeah you know what uh to, to, to speak on it as far as today's talent goes he's the equivalent of Dolph Ziggler I mean he's going to put on great matches no that's matter, a good point man no matter where he's at he's going to put on great matches but he's if you're gonna, you know, gamble on the match, which I don't necessarily recommend, I would, I would not bet on him, or I'd bet on him losing. That's yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's great talent, and it's, it's really a WWE problem. It's, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other promotions, but pigeonholing good workers into not having titles, not having or? titles, yeah, not, not having anything, you're not even having big moments, other than a steady paycheck, other than a steady paycheck. <laughs> I mean, I guess if that's what that's all you care about. Then I mean, you're doing your job. Then, but put yourself in in his shoes or Dolph Ziggler's shoes. Okay. Um, I think I already know your answer, but how how would you feel? I mean, let's say I'm going to pay you 150 grand a year to basically be uh, uh, a very talented jobber, a, a talented enhancement uh, worker. Um, how do you feel about that? I'm gonna answer that using a uh, using a, a legendary guitar player named Scotty and from Anthrax. When asked about uh, Megadeth or Metallica, you know, if you had a tour with one one band, or if you you know you like one band over the other, and his response was perfect, then it'd be the same. My same answer to you is, why can't I have both? Uh, let's take a, a Cody Rhodes, or excuse me, sorry, Cody, for example. <laughs> and uh, here's a guy that left WWE in that paycheck to win world titles and still make a fat ton of cash. My answer is no. I, I, I wouldn't do that for WWE. I'm not going to lay down and be a glorified jobber just so I could have a ton of money. I would rather live comfortably, paycheck to paycheck, and have my my career mean something, than than have a fancy house and cars and all that other bullshit. Because at the end of the day, I have to know that what I did for a living, whether it's wrestling, whether it's doing this podcast with you, or whatever I do in life, that it has to mean something. And I'm not talking about just what I brought home that week. It's what what lasting impression did I did I bring? And I and I and I've heard rumors that Dolph Ziggler has signed that contract, and I hope it's not true. If it is, to each their own. I wish him the best, but that's a guy that has sold himself short. If he if he did indeed sign that kind of a contract, where you just look, keep laying down, and we'll pay you handsomely. It's unfortunate. It's it's very unfortunate. Um... But there's no chance in hell. No chance. <laughs> um, 
this is another uh, point I wanted to, uh, speaking of this match, this was another point I wanted to bring up. Again, the match is Triple H versus Owen Hart at WrestleMania 14. The European title that Triple H has in this match, he did not earn. It was originally gifted to him as a Christmas gift by Shawn Michaels. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use that as a as a springboard to also mention the Takamichinoku versus Aguilar match, also on the same same WrestleMania. Yeah, and I'm gonna. Pair the two together because of titles. Takamitsunoku came into this card, the light heavyweight champion. So these are two ch- two titles, two championships that seemingly went like nowhere with the promotion. Oh yeah, absolutely. You've been watching wrestling for a long time now. Yep. How important to you are titles, title belts? Um and the the accolades of a champion um in the long run how 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 not not only that you know so how how important is it to you and then also how important do you think it is to the overall product because I, there seems to be this um this underlying conversation about you know belts or props you know, this is obviously the wrestling business is all work, and these yeah. are all predetermined matches, so the belts really don't mean two two shits. But there, if that's the case, where where does where where is the line in the sand drawn between the it being a, a prop and and there actually being prestige associated with whatever title we're talking about? I, I don't know who's calling them props, but they they should stop because they're <laughs> they're not props. They it the achievement of a champion. I look okay. Spoiler alert: wrestling's fake. Okay, <gasps> yeah. To, to that guy, that's it's still real to him. I I I'm sorry to tell you, it's it's fake. Um. Okay. Now that we, the cat's out of the bag with that, it's <laughs> it's it's extremely important. It, it really is, and. You look at like you look at championship champions like like Stone Cold when he you know he won the title at WrestleMania and what he did with that title afterwards and it was it was a big deal because now you you wait and see on who that next person is going to be to take that title off of him and that's what it should be there should always be that quest to to have a challenger whether he's a good guy or a bad guy and and the quest to, to take that title away from that champion, and whether it's by honor or whether it's by being deceitful or anything in between, that's the the fact that you care about that champion and everything that that champion's accomplished. That writes the storylines right there. You don't really have to do a whole lot. You and we've seen it so many times where it's. Rivalries just based off championships, and there's not a whole lot of work put into it, but it, it's it just writes itself. And so, to have a championship like the light heavyweight title that, let's be honest, was never taken seriously, or the European title where you know you're you're giving it as a Christmas gift, or 
you have Shane McMahon stealing it from X-Pac. Not, I mean, he ended up beating it, but I mean, he, it was like a your typical like TNA fashion where a million guys interfered for it to happen. And it's like, well, who cares about this title right now? It's just, it's one of those things where it's 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 tarnished because every single match is the same thing. Like he's getting his ass beat, and then the entire corporation interferes and he walks away with it. It's the same shit. And WWE is not the only vic- you know victim of this. I, I uh, New Japan, same thing with the with the Intercontinental Title for the longest time. It took a long time uh, to get that title to be back to the prestige that it's, that's at now. And you could thank so much of that to Shinsuke Nakamura. And I give a lot of credit to Tetsuya Naito. Even though he was taking that championship and, and whipping it around, it was, it was again, that deceitfulness. How dare you take that title and do that? Now we want somebody to come in and take that championship away from you. It's, again, it's, you know, it's showing up to have to battle. That's why the Universal Championship doesn't mean anything. <laughs> um, and they, they, they call it out on their own show. The Miz constantly says the Intercontinental Championship is the only championship that matters on Raw. And he's not wrong. And I hate The Miz. But he's not wrong. And, again, that's because you're, you have a champion that's not really there. So, therefore, you're really a champion. Um, so, yeah, it, it's there's, there's a lot that's put into it. And it's not just saying, here's a place, you're a placeholder. You're, this is a prop. Just hold on to it and look pretty and smile. There's a lot of work that gets put into it. The level of matches that that are put into title matches should be higher than any other match on that card. Doesn't necessarily work out that way, but it should. So it just it really just depends. And obviously, the the level of talent that's holding those titles is a big deal. Um, having champions that that deserve to be champions is is a huge thing. Uh, and, and you didn't see that with the light heavyweight title. You didn't see that with the European title. You didn't see that with the hardcore title, which was a, which was a great title to have, actually. Hardcore titles do work, but when you when you have people like Terry Runnels winning it or Earl Hebner winning it, it's like, hey, well, now, now the championship doesn't mean anything. Anyone can win it. As far as the light heavyweight title goes, um, it came out on Bruce Pritchard's podcast that he, he feels that it was... It was essentially Vince's doing um, that kind of killed the light heavyweight division, and, and I guess we're kind of seeing it now again with Two Hundred Five Live. It was, it, from what Pritchard had said, it's kind of the same idea where, yeah, he hires all these cruiserweights or these light heavyweights, as far as Taka Michinoku goes. Yeah, um, and then. He wants the matches to be differently paced. He doesn't want them to do all these high spots. Essentially taking everything that a cruiserweight or a light heavyweight is and getting rid of it. And then he expects it to be something the fans want to see. Um, sh- shit, man. I, th- there's that old saying, like, if you don't know history, you're you're bound to repeat it, you know? Yeah. And doesn't know his own history. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> fuck, and that's sad. Yeah, the f- fucking bushwhackers. We're we're watching. Uh, what is this? WrestleMania five. Yeah, this is the. I, I asked you in the beginning of the. We started watching it. If this was the one where everyone's tripping, and sure enough, one of the bush bushwhackers almost were, tripped. Yeah. <laughs> There's. 
<laughs> we're watching WrestleMania five. It's taking place at the Trump Plaza Casino, and there's a. Uh, it's been mentioned in other podcasts, but there is a step um, on the way to the ring that all the talent had trouble with, and if you keep an eye on them as they're walking down to the ring, periodically you will see one, one or or more of the the talent or the wrestlers uh, trip over the damn step, <laughs> and <laughs> and we're laughing because one of the bushwhackers just almost ate the mat. Um, but back to uh, championships. Um, this is uh, we're we're at the beginning of March 2018 now, and and we're talking we're just talking uh, freely about the meaning the meanings behind uh, title titles and title reigns. Did you see James Ellsworth come out with his own title? I. He, I don't pay attention to him. He has proclaimed himself the heavyweight world's heavyweight intergender wrestling champion. You can look up the belt um, online it, if you want to take a look and check it out. Uh, it's it's a pretty fascinating belt. He's he's talking about uh, basically taking it anywhere and everywhere he gets booked and putting it on the line. Um. How do you feel about that? How do you how do you feel about having a guy? You know, we're just talking about the the belts being looked at as props. This guy just went and had his own belt created, and he's going to take it. <laughs> he's going to go take it to different promotions and defend it. I I I don't want to say that this is like a new precedent that has been set but it kind of is at least from from my recollection cuz i don't i don't know of anybody else doing something like this with any other title no yeah i this is the first time i'm hearing about it too but for any belt um as far as james ellsworth i i just see this as job security <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's just like hey i'll, I'll bring my belt if you give me a job um because there's a there's a show local to us that's happening at a high school, and he's set to, to take on Swago, who was formerly known as Horn Swago, in WWE, and it it's like being built as like a special attraction match. Now, if you're not familiar with that term, that's and this is not a technical term, so don't 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 uh, don't get mad at me when I say this, but that's that's the type of stuff that they used to do for women's matches. Or midget wrestling. It's a special attraction. It's not an important match by any means, but uh, it, it might be funny. It's it's condescending and demeaning. Yeah, is, exactly. is what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this the same guy that's that's doing this is now saying like, "Hey, I'm going to be uh, this champion. I'm going to defend it all the world." Like like he's Nick Aldis or something, who is currently on on a tour to do to defend the NWA World Heavyweight Championship against many different opponents from many different promotions. I think it was 22 opponents in 30 days. Okay, so there you go, 22 in 30 days. That's that's a busy month right there. So yeah, when it comes to James Ellsworth, he, I don't I don't know where he came from. Where where they you know what depths of reject <laughs> wrestling society they they grabbed this dude from, and apparently now he's an attraction. So but. Uh, that championship, I just, I, I don't see it being anything besides a funny title, but 
Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Getting back to the light heavyweight title yes. in this mm-hmm. WrestleMania, uh, the light heavyweight title was only defended at this WrestleMania. After that, it it became defunct and uh, eventually replaced with the cruiserweight title. Yeah, the light heavyweight title didn't last that long. Did no, it? it didn't last that long. Um, other news and notes about this WrestleMania. Jim Ross made a fleeting comment about the date of Taka's title win, which was December 7th. And if you're not familiar, that's the same day as Pearl Harbor happening. And and he <laughs> called... He makes he makes a comment and he says it's ironic enough. Um, obviously, a lot of people don't pick up on on that date because let's face it, us as um, Americans, we struggle with uh, keeping keeping uh, our ear to our own history, and yeah. and you know our in our in our own society here in America, uh, that's that's not something new. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not shedding, uh, I'm, I'm not fucking killing kayfabe with that one. No. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. I wonder if you got like an earful of that one, or if it's, I mean, because they are, this is definitely an international event, and Japan being one of them. I mean, I know they're not. He's probably not on the Japanese um, commentary. I'm sure they have their own Japanese people doing commentary, but I don't know. It's yeah, I, still. <laughs> hey, watch it, JR. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I mean, watch the racism yeah. there. <laughs> Chris Warren and the DX band opened the show by performing "America the Beautiful" and the "Star Spangled Banner" like hard rock style. Um, but there was like a bad audience reaction during and after those performances. And if you're not familiar, those performances have since been edited off of home video releases and the WWE Network. <laughs> I, I I vaguely remember. I uh, I, I mean I, I I remember them performing, but I don't remember the that stuff being cut off of the network or or home video. But that you know what that doesn't surprise me because there there's other stuff from other WrestleManias. That uh, that I was there for, um, namely the the incident in Chicago for what twenty twenty two twenty two yeah. Um, <laughs> for those of you not familiar, WrestleMania twenty two took place in Chicago, uh, and I happened to be there with um, a few of uh, my family members, and the match between. I believe it was Mickey James and Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus. Yep. There's uh there's something that got cut out of the the re-airings of the pay-per-view and the home video where uh <laughs> Mickey James makes a very obscene gesture uh with her hand. Then you can paint that picture. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm I'm yeah, I'm not going to go into exactly what it was, but uh, she did it during the match, <laughs> and I happened to be near a concession stand where they had a, a monitor. Yeah. So we were in line waiting for uh, food when she did it, but we got to see it firsthand, and I, the the reaction from the crowd was overwhelming. Like everybody <laughs> saw it. You know, it exists. Yeah. Um, for those of you who still tape trade. Um, 
it's it's there. Trust me. Uh, you just have to look for it in the match. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, she she has her Mickey James has her has Trish Stratus upside down like she's going to Tombstone Piledriver, and that's when she does the gesture. If I'm not mistaken, but something to look for um, in in that match. Uh, and, and again, here along the same lines of. Uh, <laughs> Th- things that get edited about, edited out of WrestleManias. I think that's all I have. And any other, any other little, little tidbits you wanna throw in here for WrestleMania 14 that you could think of? Uh, no. I think we hit a lot of it um, in the original. I'm glad you remember because I don't. <laughs> All right, let me save this one. 